So when's your next uh, when's your next journey into the desert? It's actually tomorrow. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's tomorrow. And my uh, dilemma on this one is, you know, I've been chasing the the mushroom thing for a few years now, um, and uh, I actually obtained six six hits of uh, some pretty pure LSD. And I'm wondering if I should go. So with with the mushrooms, we can get into the story. But in, um, anyways, you know, I had worked my way up to about 15 gram doses um, with my most recent trips. So pretty heavy. Um, and it took me about two, three years of experimentation to get there. Like, I don't, I would never recommend anyone going straight there. I mean, I don't think you would die, but it would probably be a pretty traumatic experience. Um, but I'm really accustomed to these heavy trips and, uh, what I use them for, I feel like I need to go that far, um, to really get out of it what I need to get out of it. So now my, I'm like thinking, should I go? Should I mix? Should I do some kind of mixture? Should I just start the process over again with LSD, which you know I don't have as much experience with, or should I just go for it and take like 800 micrograms tomorrow of LSD? Um, because I want the heavy trip, but I'm not experienced with LSD yet. And all the reading and talking to people I've done, I've done LSD like twice. I did like a tab at a festival once and a tab somewhere in college. <clears throat> and um, everyone I talked to is like, oh yeah, mushrooms are, they can go either way and like definitely good and bad trips. LSD, like I always have a good time. So I don't know, I'm kind of still weighing in in my head and I probably won't make the decision until the time actually comes. Um, but that's where I'm at with this weekend's trip. So could you explain this whole like progressive protocol that you're doing? Like how did, how did that start? Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> I mean, a, a protocol, like I literally just made it up and kind of just kept going further each time. But what happened was 2016, I had just ended a three year, super toxic relationship. You know, one of those things where like your mind is just completely warped and you don't even realize how warped it was until you're out of it. Um, and it was just it and it ended in a very traumatic way. Um, so, you know, I was kind of struggling with that. And uh even once it ended, I would be dealing with the consequences of this relationship for another two years. Um, so anyways, the event happened and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all kind of depressed and just kind of had no direction and just, you know, dealing with it. And um, I don't know how it, I didn't read anything. I mean, I had always listened to like Terrence McKenna. Um, I'd always listen to his talks and I'd read some Tim Leary and I like knew who these guys were. And I was always interested in psychedelics, but I never really thought of using it in therapeutically. I'd always kind of taken with friends. I'd take it at a music festival, you know, a lot of outside stimulus, uh, that sort of thing. So somehow I got the idea that I was going to buy a bag of mushrooms, drive up to Santa Barbara and eat them on the beach by myself. Um, and so I, I, I got, I got the bag and I only ate a half eighth. So, you know, just under two grams for this went and sat on the beach. Um, no music, no nothing. Uh, I started the trip at about midnight and I literally just sat there on the beach in Santa Barbara. I kind of like dug a little hole and I just sat there cross-legged and just went through this trip and, um, just like cried my eyes out and kind of like processed the situation and uh you know had this experience and 
what happened between me and my ex and all, all the stuff that happened, I felt a lot better about it. I felt like I had forgiven her. It really helped kind of like push me past the situation mentally. Um, and it was just such a profound experience. I was like, oh my God, like this is how you're supposed to take them. You know, not necessarily, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong taking it with friends at a music festival, but the experience of doing it by yourself in nature or a dark room without any external stimulus, um, it really allows you to get inside your own head and kind of walk yourself through situations in a, obviously a much different state of mind and, and kind of help process them. Um, so after that, you know, that experience always stuck with me. And um, I probably went another year without touching them and uh, had kind of dove back into some old mental patterns. And, you know, I, I would consider myself naturally to be a pretty cynical and negative person. So I'm always working to like kind of overcome that. Um, and uh, I had basically just buried all the trauma with work. Like I was working seven days a week. I was up at 5 a.m. every day. I was just taking as many clients as I could. And I did that for long enough without ever taking time off. I just kind of hit this point of burnout with work. And I realized I was like kind of masking things that were going on by just overworking myself. Um, and the idea popped in. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Joshua Tree and I'm going to get a little cabin. I'm going to do it again. And so I, you know, I went in uh, 2018, September, and that first trip was like, I think I did a full eighth. And again, had a profound experience, you know, dark room, nature. Um, I didn't, I, I, my routine now is not to listen to music until way on the tail end of the trip. Um, and again, you know, helped me process kind of this, these past traumas and, and uh, have a different outlook on life. And, you know, you have that afterglow after the trips and it kind of carries into your normal life and then it kind of wears off, right? So then I go back and chase it. I go back and chase it and wear off and I start to realize like, you know, you the, the state of mind and the things that you learn during the trip, like that's kind of like the easy fun part because you're just chemically being put there, right? And you're kind of being put in the state. It's like, it's the work between the trips that needs to be done to try to integrate those lessons into your personality. <clears throat> and I kind of started to realize that as I continuously chase these trips. Um, so anyways, I would, I would try to integrate as best I could, but I would keep chasing these trips. And uh, each time I went, I would just add a little bit more. So it was three grams, five grams, seven grams, nine grams, 10 grams. Um, and, and the interesting part was, you know, you, you have, you go from three grams to five grams for the first time. I think three to the, 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 the first five gram trip was the first time I had actually broken through where like, you're not really in the room anymore. You're just laying down. You're completely in another dimension. You have to kind of come back to reality eventually. Um, <clears throat> and you have that experience and you're like, you're like, holy shit, like this is it. And, uh, and, and the funny part is every time you add a little more, it brings you to like a new level. So like I started to realize like there was all these doors to go through <clears throat> and there was no, I haven't found yet like the pinnacle of the experience, if that makes sense. Like five was completely different than three, seven was completely different than five, nine was completely different than seven, 12 was completely different than nine. So it's like, it's just this ever going experience that you can kind of take as far as you want to go. Um, but you still have to 
try to integrate that into your normal life because it just doing the trip doesn't necessarily make it stick. Um, but that's kind of how I did it. I, di I didn't really have a plan. There was no one that really coached me. I just kind of did it. And, you know, with those ever increasing doses, it just was a new experience every single time. So Andrew, so the frequency in between is about every year you're doing this? No, no, <clears throat> there was, so there was 2016 and then there was like almost maybe a year and a half, two years until I decided to kind of go back. And then between 2018 and 2020, I was going, there was a couple ones that were only a month apart. There was a couple that were two apart and uh, maybe two and a half months was really the biggest break I took. Um, so between 2018 and 2020, I've probably tripped like almost 15 times. Wow, I, the first thing that stands out to me is um, like courage <laughs> to be able to do a dose that big and then go back into it willing, like willingly. Are yeah. do you find yourself, do you find yourself saying after like, oh shit, like that, that's it. Like I don't, I'm not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> it must take a lot of commitment and discipline to stick to this for for a deeper meaning. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, I still get scared shitless every single time. Like it's definitely, I've, I'm accustomed to it in a way. Um, but I still get completely nervous. I end up on the day of, I kind of have this ritual in terms of how the actual trip day goes. I um, mean, I'm always trying to talk myself out of it. I'm always trying to rationalize not that I don't need to do it, that I've kind of like gotten what I need. Uh, but then I force myself to do it. Um, and the funny part is it kind of accelerated over time because in the beginning so my experience was you, you, you if you have a really heavy trip but you don't break through it's a lot more intimidating so that's the kind of trip most people are used to and, and most people's experience like you said like you, you do the trip and you're like fuck that was cool but i'm not touching that for like a few years like i'm good when you break through it's a much less intimidating experience. I don't know if you've ever taken uh, DMT, but generally most people's experience with DMT is not, they weren't very intimidated by it. It's a very profound, it's very deep, like you're completely just out into another dimension, but you're not as scared of it afterwards as you were of a mushroom trip. And once I started breaking through with the doses, which started to happen around five, six grams, um, it's the, the whole scary, intimidating part is kind of the first part of the trip then you break through and that's a really um, intense experience like you're just completely in another dimension and I would say that's really where the trip exists um, and then when you come back to the normal dimension you have this just profound euphoria and happiness and that is kind of how it ends um, and so that's like the last part that you kind of remember but for whatever reason when you break, for me, when you break through, um, although it's a much more intense experience, it's a lot less intimidating in that way. And you end up kind of wanting to chase it a little bit more, if that makes sense. Um, but but every, you know, you, you, you end up wanting to chase it. Like the, the day after, like you, I immediately want to go back. And then that kind of subsides. I get back into normal life. I go through my day to day. I come back. And like I said, I still am scared every single time I do it. Um, but, you know, I was, I was going through this period um, where I tried to, 
I forget if the lesson came from the mushrooms or it came from life and I tried to apply it to that, but I just started to kind of develop this philosophy that anything that makes you uncomfortable helps you grow. So no matter how bad it is, like the more uncomfortable it is, the more it's going to help you grow. Um, and that's kind of where I got to with shrooms is I, I pretty much believe now that there's no such thing as a bad trip. Like the trip is just the trip and some, some are more positive, some are more negative, if you want to even call them that, you know, they might be more associated with sadness and regret. Um, <clears throat> and they might make you cry a little bit more, but they just make you grow in different ways where I feel like people get so caught up in trying to like chase only happy trips. They're all just trips to me. And I don't think you can have a bad trip. It's just, it is what it is. And the ones that would kind of classically be called like bad trips where you like cry a lot and you're really scared and that sort of thing. Those are almost the best ones because you kind of learn the most from them. Yeah. You'll often hear people talk about bad trips in, in terms of the poor preparation and, uh, and maybe unsafe setting. Could you talk a little bit practically about, you mentioned that you have a ritual around these high dose experiences. Just, just how do you go into one of these sessions and um, yeah. And then practically, and then perhaps following on from that, like how, how do you sort of navigate yourself through that, through that space when you actually do break through? So, well, the breakthrough part, so I'll get to that. There's, there really is no navigating. You're kind of at the mercy of, <laughs> of the, uh, of the substance. Um, yeah. So my ritual is lately I have not been microdosing, but there was a time where I was microdosing pretty regularly. So if that's going on, I try to cut that out somewhere between seven and 10 days ahead of the trip and just kind of let everything reset and not have anything in my system. Um, my location of choice is always going to be nature, but I just happen to go out to Joshua Tree, uh, and that's kind of where I frequent. So I'll get a small cabin, pretty isolated. I try to do my best to make sure that I can find one that's at, on at least a few acres, you know, away from nobody. I go out by myself, which, again, I wouldn't recommend for any, you know, anyone that's new to it. You definitely want to having a trip sitter is a smart idea, but I got to a place where I feel pretty comfortable doing it by myself. Um, that, that morning I'll wake up, um, diet wise, it'll always be relatively light. You know, I'm a, I'm a competitive powerlifter, so I can eat pretty heavy a lot of times. So I'm almost, I'm almost fasting, um, very, uh, low saturated fat in the diet, mostly protein based, a lot of water, trying to kind of like almost kind of cleanse the system, if you will. Um, and I always have the one day dedicated to that. So like if I'm driving out there, I won't do it that day because I'm still like coming from the city. Everything's in my mind. Like I like to get there. I'll usually stay for anywhere between three and four days. And it's that second day that I do the trip that gives me time to process afterwards and still be out there. So I'll drive out there, sleep, I'll wake up, um, you know, I'll eat very light throughout the day. And then I'll do, uh, I'll do some kind of trail or hike with my dogs and just kind of have a real calm day. I'll get back uh, to the cabin. I will weigh out my dose and I'll let it sit on the counter and I'll kind of do the whole dance in my head of like trying to talk myself out of it as they stare back at me. Um, I love to be still conscious during the sunset. Um, I would love to try dawn at some point, but I really like as they're onsetting, um, the change. So either going from light to dark or dark to light. 
Um, so I'll typically eat them somewhere around 3, 4 p.m., depending on the season. Um, so like tomorrow will probably be a little bit later. Um, so I'll eat them sometime uh, just before sunset. And that gives you, you know, that first hour. The, the interesting thing is, I don't know if it's a strain, if it's strain dependent or how they're harvested is sometimes that peak hits me within 30 minutes and sometimes it's two hours. So it's just very variable. So you never really know unless, um, you know, I've had the same batch for a while and I kind of have already done it. Um, so I'll eat them just before sunset. You have that hour you know the nerves come on and you kind of sit there and i'll usually drink some orange juice i don't know if that's a myth or not but it's supposed to potentiate them um and then it onsets and you know i'll usually sit outside and i like to sit there and as soon as i see the bushes start to move i know it's coming so i'll sit there and i'll kind of breathe and your heart's going and uh, once that waving starts to get really intense and you start to see the walls kind of melt and uh, you know, your, your vision is more pronounced and colorful and the edges of everything are a little bit more pronounced and you start to kind of hear the alien noises and the little beeps and squeaks and stuff, I'll go into a dark room, I'll turn all the lights off, close the blinds, lay down in bed, um, and then it's basically blast off. And again, if you've ever done DMT, it's very similar to like a near-death dying type experience where you think you're dead. You basically, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's a little different every time, but they, t they seem to have like very geographic uh, themes. So like, it'll be like a South American, like Aztec vibe. I've had ones that are more like in space and you're going through planets. I've had ones that are more like Arctic, like snow looking. Um, and there'll be kind of like a geographic setting associated with this dream state. And you know, that hyperconnectivity that I think has been research proven in terms of your synapses just going off. I basically will have like two or three traumatic situations or things that I'm kind of dealing with. And I think of them as like thought bubbles. And I'm just kind of bouncing back and forth between these situations, like processing them in this dream state. And um, then, you know, that goes on for a period of time. I start to come to... Um, that's usually where I'll feel like a profound sense of uh, like regret or sadness for a small period of time. So I can, I'll be there kind of like writhing in bed, kind of half in, kind of half out. That's usually where like the crying happens. Um, and then after that period, it's like almost like this switch flips, you know, you go from kind of sad and heavy to really happy and that's where I'll pop up. And, um, that's usually going to be somewhere about three to four hours into the trip estimated. And then I'll pop up, um, <clears throat> you know, you walk out of the room, everything's bright as hell. This euphoria comes over you, you're kind of giddy and everything's funny. Um, and somewhere around that period is where then I'll start to turn on music and, and kind of just enjoy myself. And then, like I said, I do that on the second day that I'm out there because that gives me another day out there where I can kind of, you know, I don't think I could come back from that state of mind. I wouldn't want to come back from that state of mind and just jump into the city or work the next day. Like I go back out and kind of hike and just kind of, you know, sit there in the silence of nature and be like, what the fuck just happened and kind of try to piece together, you know, what, what did I, what happened? What was I thinking about? What did I learn? And how am I going to try to apply this to my life?
do you find yourself doing any like intention setting previously um, in preparation and um, are you doing journaling after do you get specific with your integration I, I've done both. Um, I don't journal as consistently as I probably should because my problem is, and this is what I've always admired about people like Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna is, and that's also why I keep going back is I have trouble pulling, or you look at an artist like Alex Gray and, and kind of his school. Um, I have so much trouble pulling what I get in that dream state and putting it into real tangible ideas and words. I'm still kind of working on that. Um, but as far as intention going in, absolutely. So <clears throat> whatever it might be, if it's um, whatever issue I might be dealing with. So, uh, you know, one of the trips a, a few last year, I had just broken up with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, the reason we stayed together as long as we did was because we had these dogs together. And there was this one dog, Mugwai, who I just loved so much. And, uh, you know, we broke up and I was like, gonna say bye to him. And he had this heart condition and he was like gonna die soon. And it was just this whole thing I was all sad over. So like going into it, especially as that, as, as that gnarly part of the trip starts to begin, you know, I'm kind of forcing that to the forefront of my head to like make it be there and process that particular situation that's bothering me. Um, so how I was talking about like the two or three kind of idea bubbles in that dream state, like, yeah, I will try to pick one or two things that represent like the totality of that bubble in terms of whatever it is that's bothering me or that I'm dealing with. Um, and that will kind of be the theme of what I think about. Um, but again, I don't know that you completely have control over that. Granted, over time in that breakthrough state, I would say you do start to develop a certain amount of control in terms of what you're thinking about and how you're kind of going through it. Um, but yeah, I'm still working on really being able to verbalize. And honestly, like after my experience, and, and you'll hear it so much with people that do psychedelics, it's like, it, they'll say it's the most profound experience they've ever had, but they can't put it into words. So I really think people like Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna and Alex Gray, they, their ability to connect that to reality is some type of genetic skill or talent. It's like its own language. You know what I mean? Not everybody can do that. And, uh, that's why I think it's so fascinating to hear them talk and they, and they verbalize it and you're like, Oh my God, like, yeah, that's it. But I couldn't come up with those words myself. Does that make sense? I think Andrew, it's, it's interesting to hear people who are kind of come from maybe more of a, a rational or sort of a scientific uh, agnostic sort of a background, um, especially, you know, people like myself and DJ who are really into that side of things as well. But we also have this, interest in this sort of mystical space that's that that's really prevalent in the in the mushroom experience would you describe yourself as as being prior to your first experience uh, were you an atheist or were you very agnostic in your yes, mystical absolutely. beliefs or and and, ha and and if and how that changed through that experience in santa barbara or you know yeah. on onto the desert um yeah so i was you know, my parent, my, my dad's from Guatemala and my mom's from the Philippines. So if you're familiar with those countries, extremely Catholic. Um, you know, I was baptized Catholic. I grew up going to church. Um, I went to, I was, I went to a private Baptist Christian school from kindergarten to sixth grade. So I grew up going to church. Um, and I never really remember 
being super into it myself, it was like, I almost like looking back, I almost was just going through the motions because that's what I was supposed to do. And that's how I was raised. And, you know, you went to chapel on Wednesdays, you went to church on Sundays and you recited the prayers and you memorized the words of the songs. And, you know, that's where all my friends were. So I was like there, but I don't remember like passionately, like believing in God. And then in seventh grade, I moved areas and the demographic was completely different. Socioeconomically, it was completely different. I was going from kind of small, I wouldn't say poor, but like less well-off, very ethnic school to a very white, rich, massive, big school. Um, so it was a really hard transition for me. Um, and I remember, you know, my, my parents would make me go to Catholic church up there and I would see these kids that would bully me in church. And I just started to develop this huge, just like hatred of, you know, church and Christianity, Catholicism, these guys are hypocrites. I don't like this. This is boring. And I just started to really hate it um, to the point that uh, it was a really bizarre experience. I still don't have an explanation for this, but sophomore year of high school, I was in Catholic church on Easter Sunday. Um, which if you know anything about Easter Sunday in Catholic Church, there's pretty much standing room only. I mean, it's just insane in there. And I woke up in the hospital and had collapsed in church and had a seizure. And so I do all these CAT scans and blah, 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 and they don't find anything wrong. And that was like my last straw. And, um, you know, I would always kind of go uh, begrudgingly to please my parents. And that was the day I looked at my mom. I was like, I'm not going to church anymore. Um, and kind of just went in this other direction of atheism. You know, I didn't believe it in it at all. Um, I ended up doing a science major in college. So I was very, you know, science-based and, and whatever. And up until the shroom trips, like, that's kind of how I was. And um, I would say I probably believe in some type of God and some type of outside force now more than I ever have because of these experiences. Could you, could you continue on <laughs> what, uh, on what, on what, what are I, these? Is that a, is that an externalized uh, deity that you see in these trips or is that something within yourself, some sort of capacity within yourself, some divine potential that you've uncovered or, I mean, I'm curious about pushing. You I am, I'm still developing the theory, but I think that we are all, I think there is something that connects all of us. Right. I think we're all descended, whether you want to call it stardust or if God created us, I think we're all descended from something or there's something out there that connects us. Um, and when you look at psychedelic experiences, they're so universal. I mean, when you look at the research on what people experience in terms of uh, how it helps them and what they're thinking, they're looking at like, you know, 90% success rates with PTSD. When people describe their trips, there's not near for the millions of people billions maybe i don't know however many people that have done them there's not that much um difference in the experiences it's this very universal thing if you look at dmt like the way they describe the figure you see in a dmt trip it's it it spans borders you know what i mean it's all very much the same with maybe very slight variations and i just don't see how that's possible if if there, you know, if there isn't something, something more there, you know what I mean? And um, just the values, it's, it's, it's got a weird way of, 
you know, there, there isn't a figure there speaking to you. It's just this kind of visceral experience that you feel and see, and it imparts certain values onto you in terms of like how you should be and carry yourself and treat people, right? So it's almost like the closest thing to that are certain interpretations of the Bible, right? In terms of this interconnectedness, everything coming from the same same place, having these universal rules that all humans should kind of abide by that like, you know, most people can agree to. Um, so it's like, it, it takes those lessons that are taught in the Bible. And I have my views of how organized religion is and how it can be misapplied. And it is usually kind of bastardized. Like, you know, I don't think, I don't even know if you necessarily need to be in a church to practice religion. Like, I think it is more this connection with nature is what it's about. Right. Um, and kind of how you can, again, this might just be like, what do they call it? You know, me being a wook, but like how you can connect to nature, right? Like when you're sitting there with this stuff inside of you and you're sitting in the trees or near an animal, I mean, even just like my interaction with my dogs when I'm at that tail end of the trip and I'm kind of interacting with them again, it, it gives you a totally different perspective on life. And it kind of just makes you realize like all that is evil why those things are are wrong, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I think it was Dennis McKenna that I was listening to. He was saying something how mushrooms tend to grow in places of ecological disaster. Um, and so like if you have a forest clearing from logging or a forest fires or, you know, when those events are kind of done, that's where they tend to kind of spring up a little bit. So it's almost like this, uh, it's almost like mother nature's way of reconnecting with like its animal organisms and kind of teaching them how to treat the earth, right? So like there's all these different kind of instances in terms of where they grow and how they grow and what you feel when you take them um, in terms of, you know, being less greedy, being less self-centered, you know, the ego death, it's like, a classic uh, part of, a, of any psychedelic trip. Um, just those, the values that are associated with that are so close to what religion is supposed to teach. Um, it's almost like as if that is one of our gods, right? Um, so that's how I kind of think about it. Andrew, one of the things I like about you is you like, you break a certain stereotype associated with like psychedelic use. Um, that pattern you see of people who go into psychedelics, do it regularly and, and fall into this uh, new age alternative, like opposite end of the spectrum that they kind of rebel against the, the norm. But you're a masculine power lifter, very, still very skeptical, rational, um, yet you psychedelics is such a huge part of your life. Can you talk about how <laughs> how your personality uh, has do you have anything built in place to kind of stay skeptical and rational with these mystical experiences? 
I, I don't have any like formal systems in place. Um, I would say like, you know, the, if anything can be taken too far. And just one of the things that I've kind of gotten from tripping, um, and I don't want to make generalizations about people, is that people are so unique. And if you look at what's going on in the world today with like politics and social media, like, you know, people want to draw this straight line down and you're either on the left or the right and you're either, I mean, we can talk, we can say left or right about politics. Um, you know, you're either like a hippie or like a traditional meathead. They fall into these categories and they end up, you know, like assimilating all their values associated with that category. And that's one thing I've always struggled with because I've, always, I've never really felt like I fit into one mold or the other. Um, so like you were saying, like, you know, I, I look like a meathead and do meathead things, but when I hang out with meatheads, I don't really feel like I fit in with them. Or if I like hang out with like, you know, more nerdy people, my physicality like doesn't really fit in with them. But I think a lot of people, whether it's them being afraid to break a mold or they're just doing what they know and they're taught, like, you know, I think a lot of people have a hard time breaking through <clears throat> the fact that, you know, again, let's go just to politics, left and right. If you're right, you agree with these 30 things. And if you're left, you agree with these 30 things. Like, no, like you can have a completely different opinion about each one of those things. Right. And <clears throat> that's what I, that's one of the things I get from psychedelics is it makes me more comfortable to disagree or agree with certain things that wouldn't stereotypically be agreed upon. Right. So like being able to just look at every situation individually and really think about it based on your own experiences and not what you're supposed to think about it based on what group you're associated with. Right. So I would say that's just more of a constant practice and, I think one of the reasons I've been good at it is because I've moved around so much in my life and I've kind of bounced around groups of friends and stuff so much in my life that like, I've never really, my strongest influence has always been myself. Like I've always felt very kind of alone, not in a sad way, but like, I've never really fit into like one particular mold. So it's always just been me. I spend a lot of time by myself. I'm very introverted. So I've kind of, I think, just naturally found a way to do my best to not. And I still find myself falling into the trap of like thinking a certain thing about a particular subject because that's how a certain group would think about it. Right. So it's almost like a constant battle in my head of like, not speaking a certain way because I'm a power lifter and not thinking a, a certain way because I'm not, um, you know what I mean? So like to kind of keep that individuality, like it can be hard because it's, it's almost easier to just submit yourself to being in a particular tribe. And now you think whatever you think about certain subjects because that is what's associated with that tribe where like I can have really conservative values on certain things really liberal values on certain things very meat-heady views on training certain aspects and very nerdy views on training in certain aspects all the way down to nutrition or whatever it may be yes Andrew do you just to continue a little bit on from from DJ's point a lot of a lot of these people 
they sort of report back from these deep experiences about these alternate sort of psychic dimensions that they enter and they never really sort of come back to this very embodied sense of being in a body um sort of post post trip or post ceremony and i'm i'm wondering from a from a guy who's very much in his body and you know very masculine and very very much using your body as a as a tool of awareness and, a, and a, as a tool of knowing has there has there been any changes in your your relationship um can i say to to your body and the way that you the way that you train your body and the way that you maybe appreciate and respect your body as a as a tool of 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 awareness uh, since your psychedelic explorations have started yeah i go back and forth and that's probably more the answer to the last question that i kind of missed is like you said, people have this experience and you enter this dream state and have this, you know, profound, just alien experience. And you get kind of obsessed with that and you kind of go too far in the, that direction and you become this kind of heady person and you're almost never in reality even once you come back to it, right? You're almost obsessed with that dream state where the way I would look at it is we obviously exist in this reality most of the time, right? this psychedelic experience is some type of window into something and i've i would i've gone through waves of it but you you have the first few psychedelic experiences and you're like oh my god like i'm awakened now but that's not that's really just the easy part of the journey right you're trying to battle your own ego you're trying to be a nicer person you're trying to be less judgmental um you're trying to be kinder to yourself, maybe not so obsessed with uh, materialism, that sort of thing. So you have this initial window and then life almost gets kind of harder in a way. <clears throat> and I've actually, I've gone through periods and I think I'm just kind of in one right now, to be honest, or just coming out of it, where you almost become more cynical and like more materialistic and uh, you almost start to reject that world. And I'm not really sure how to explain that or what's going on there, but it's almost like, knowing knowing like how you could be holds a much larger mirror up to like what you are and because we're very egotistical individuals like it almost i've gone through periods of almost kind of like doubling down on this more negative mindset you know what i mean like when you're when people are in an argument and um you know, someone formulates a good argument and essentially shows this person that maybe they're wrong about whatever they're talking about like not everybody's able to like kind of calm down for saying like oh man you're right they kind of fight back right and it becomes kind of an an argument right so it's like i've gone through these periods of like it's almost an argument with myself right and i'm almost doubling down on this cynical egotistical you know materialistic um body obsessed person right and i'm constantly fighting that that battle and uh, Tool is one of my favorite bands, which if you know about them, they're very into psychedelics. And uh, I would have to look it up to, to know the exact words, but Maynard has this quote that the first time I read it, it just always stuck with me. He says, you know, psychedelics are, are not the goal. You have that psychedelic trip and then it's about spending the next 25 years trying to get there without them, right? And uh, I'm definitely still very much on that journey. Um, and when I see stuff that angers me in the news or whatever it might be, um, you know, I go through periods of really having trouble letting go of that and not picking a side and kind of like doubling down on this, 
on this like negative person that I can be. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's fun to play the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you said kind of resonated about people who have um, one or, or minimal psychedelic experiences and they have certain beliefs taken away, they just cling to maybe an opposing one or a different one. And now their ego kind of latches onto that. But what I've right. seen with people who keep going uh, down these psychedelic experiences repeatedly is they develop this, like, I think it's Eric Davis called it radical agnosticism. Like you begin meta questioning, not just these beliefs, but yourself. And, and you have this almost more scientific objective view of things. Right. And I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about with this skepticism increasing after a trip, but it, it could lead to that. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it's... Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's what you're supposed to do. So, and that's what I was saying is, like you said, with the early trips, or if you only do a few of them, it's almost like you have this profound experience and, and you go through it and it's there and you come back and you think you're enlightened because you had that experience, but that's not actually how it works. Like you, you have to do a lot of work to become enlightened. I'm nowhere near there yet. Like I said, I just kind of went through a little dip in Valley myself, which was probably, you know, we had the quarantine, just a lot of negativity in the news. Um, you know, I wasn't working for a while. There's a lot of external stuff that kind of maybe drove me, into that pit a little bit that I feel like I'm just coming out of. Um, but you're not enlightened because you had the experience, right? And, and I feel like if you actually want to use them to do work, you have to do it repeatedly. And you start to realize like, oh, I'm not enlightened because I just had that experience. If it was that easy, you could just eat mushrooms and everything would be fixed and blah, blah, blah. But it makes life harder in a way because you're like, oh man, like I can completely see how big of a piece of shit I am. And it's almost easier for me to try to ignore that view and just like be this piece of shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? And kind of like block off and then you catch yourself there and you feel even worse about it, you know what I mean? So it almost, it's, it's holding up a mirror to yourself. And the more you hold that mirror up, the more negative you may feel about yourself for periods of time because you actually have to do work to change, right? And you, you mentioned earlier that one of the differences you've made in your life is reframing challenging experiences, painful experiences as opportunities to grow and to go into and, and change. Have yeah. you implemented any other habits uh, grounding mindfulness practices anything like that um you know I'll, I'll meditate for a few minutes here and there but i would say in terms of like the discomfort thing it's more about um forcing myself to do things i know i should do or that i want to do in the back of my head that i'm not doing so like one of my big fears and something that i don't feel like i'm good at and that I would like to be good at is public speaking. So if you go through my Instagram, there'll be some talking videos and as calm as I may seem in some of them, I mean, I, maybe I don't seem calm in some of them, but you know, every time I record them, my heart's kind of pumping. Like I'm nervous as if I'm speaking to a crowd, which is ridiculous when you think about it. 
um, and I can't watch those videos myself. So I'll do a few takes, and as soon as I feel like I didn't stutter on one of them, I post it and I seal the phone and I never look at it again. <laughs> and uh, just forcing myself into those, you know, forcing myself into experiences that feel uncomfortable, I think is how you get better at them. But then at the same time, it's like, I'm still constantly fighting that because I'll, you know, get all in my head about it and feel, you know, feel embarrassed about things I put out there. And then I'll just completely seal it off and not touch it and not do it for a period of time and just kind of almost talk myself out of doing anything uncomfortable and blocking it out. Right. Um, same thing with like powerlifting competitions, like they make me nervous. Um, in fact, my last competition in February, and you know, I did my first one in 2008, so I've been doing them for a little while, was the first one where I didn't throw up before, before the day started, right? And um, that's always been kind of my, I, I'm, I, I don't hold myself accountable to things like I should automatically. So I have to do things like if I register for a meet, I post, the registration form on Instagram. It's like, all right, they know about it now. Like, there's, I have to do it. There's no backing out. So it's, it's, it's same thing with same thing with the actual mushroom trip, right? It's like I'm talking myself in and out of it and kind of debating it, blah blah. But it, then it's like, once they're down the hatch, like we're going for it. You know what I mean? So it's like, kind of, kind of, kind of, in terms of applying it to my life, it's kind of like taking things that I would like to be capable of or like to accomplish or whatever it might be, and just literally forcing myself to do it and and sitting in that anxiety and discomfort and knowing people may not accept what I said or may disapprove of it um and uh and then you know we had that incident with the with the post last week like you know I'm looking back on that and I shouldn't have responded as aggressively as I did but it hurt my ego right like to be like challenged in this way I still don't think I was wrong about a lot of things but like in in terms of how I responded to things like I could have done that in a much softer way and you know but going through that is like something that I may have just completely avoided before just turn the comment section off right don't engage with these people like it's more it's easier that way it's more comfortable right so so just you know forcing myself into shit that I don't want to do well, you're doing a podcast right now and you're speaking very eloquently and <laughs> you're doing good, man. But I, yeah, I have the same issue. So I feel you. The more, even that post, I think, I mean, you're probably a little uh, more hard on yourself, but I think you handled it well. And I think when you do those, there's the 90% of your following that reads it that's like, hell yeah. And then there's a the 10% that see it who probably don't even follow you and just hop on and you know, right, right. word vomit. So, uh, yeah, it, I could see, because I've been following you, known you for a couple of years, I think. On, yeah, we on, met it, I think, it, I think it was 2018 at the FR Lowerland that we met at Logue's Place, in person at least. Yeah, yeah. But we knew, each other, we knew about each other before that. And, uh, yeah, just just your, your speaking on there and the courage you have on speaking your mind on social media i've i've witnessed and that's inspiring and motivational to me to you know speak my truth say what's on my mind and i could see now that you're comparing that to the the mushroom <laughs> once again the courage that takes right. how it's affecting you and that's uh, yeah it's inspiring 
Well, I think getting through those situations is what helps you do them again. And that's why I'm still trying to figure it out, figure out is that I still get into these ruts of like being embarrassed about how I speak and not making anything for a long time. But in the, in the mushroom trip experience, it's like, I'm, I'm nervous and scared every single time I go through it. And every time I come out on the other side, I've learned something, I'm happier, I feel better. And I look back on that on that moment before I put them in my mouth. And I'm like, I almost talked myself out of this. And I'm so glad I didn't, you know what I mean? So you keep repeating that experience and it starts to make you more confident to kind of take those risks because it always, it always ends up better or it's never as bad as you thought it was going to be. Right. But it never is as bad as you thought it was going to be. So it encourages you to kind of keep going. Yeah. I heard, I think I heard you recently say that, you know, you can, you can read all the theory and books and you can receive the programs and all the advice in the world, but until you actually step off and, and actually put the plans into action, then you're never really going to know. Right. And it's, and I think it's that scary space of, of sort of the unknown, like what are people going to think of me or, you know, maybe is it going to affect my identity or maybe I'm going to fail. But I think just hearing your, your experiences from, from the mushroom space, it's, it's really that, that perfect metaphor of just taking having that courage to take that dose and then you're really cast off into the unknown and I think bringing that kind of experience back and being able to sort of embody that that becomes wisdom right it doesn't just sort of get locked in the idea of knowledge or intelligence or learning it becomes it becomes a wise being a wise person and I think that's something that that someone like yourself who's speaking about these things and is actually walking the walk can actually inspire a lot of people. So, so yeah, full, full credit for that, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah. Even, even what we're doing, um, we, we talk to a lot of, I guess, advocates of psychedelics and it's, they're so, you know, I, I guess rightfully so worried about because of their platform, what they say, is it responsible to talk about this? Um, are they influencing other people by talking about what they're doing? And you're talking about doing uh, trips every couple months, <laughs> which is really frequent. But, but I love it because, I mean, I love the spirit of you're out there exploring. Like you're not going to wait for anyone else to tell you the protocol that's proved to be efficient. You're just gathering data points, sharing it with us, which me and Tom love. Um, and I think doing that and, and being open with it is just going to provide more knowledge. And maybe you'll find something like, Hey, this didn't work out the right way, or I found a better way to do this. And that's the way to grow. So, you know, even I experienced that, like, I don't know if it's shame, but like, Oh, like, should I say this? Is this, is this the right way to present it? But yeah, just looking at it, we're human beings that are, experiencing this who knows what's going on and we're just reporting back i think it was terence mckenna that was like i want more people to do it not because i'm trying to proselytize them into a cult but i want to share data points <laughs> and i want to build yeah. more information about this experience because it's so wild right. so yeah you're you're definitely um it's, it seems like a psychonaut would be a proper word which right, right, right. that's off that's uh, one of the final frontiers <laughs> Yeah, it really is, man. I tell people it is it is literally the pinnacle of human experience. And I think it's something that 
everyone should try it some at one point or another. And you know, I'm so glad that research has resumed on it. Um, I just think it can help a lot of people, you know, again, like I've made a lot of progress in my person, but I would say I regularly dealt with just extreme cynicism, you know, depression, suicidal thoughts, um, letting that anxiety turn me into an aggressive person. Um, and I'm still fighting bits of that for sure. Um, but I mean, I would almost argue that it's like saved my life in a lot of ways, you know? And uh, I think that just all the kind of travesties of the world that are pretty widespread in terms of just how many people deal with depression and just what you see on the news, just kind of like the darkness of the material world, it kind of helps you transcend that and see that there is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel if you, if you want there to be. Yeah, amen. And I think it's important to, to have these conversations as you said there's there's so many people especially guys not exclusively guys but uh, a large proportion of of young guys who are just kind of kind of lost in this this shadow sort of anxiety and fear and and you know this this inner demons within them that they're actually afraid to to sort of express expose and i think listening to yourself discuss these things very openly is, is very it is very therapeutic because it sort of it brings these prime the primacy of these these sort of emotions and sensations to the fore and and, and it makes it makes us realize that man we're, we're just human and and we all we all have these and we all we're, we should all be allowed to make these available for people to to share and to discuss and to to find some compassion and humility instead of trying to sort of judge people or categorize people and um yeah there was something that you said at the very beginning that you often have this moment of kind of sadness going into the oncome of a, of a trip. And that really resonated with me because it was more of, it was this idea. I don't know whether it's you share this idea, but this idea that, man, why, why do I just not appreciate with more gratitude, the space that we're in and why am I so hard on myself? And why have I been so hard on others? And why can I, can I not just enjoy this now, which I'm doing, but also share this and bring this out when I come back. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the, that was really one of the initial thoughts where I was like, man, this is really helpful for me in terms of therapy. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about, about therapy. I think it's great. People should definitely do it. And I've done it, but my experience with therapy and maybe I didn't have the right therapist, you know, I've tried a few of them. Maybe they weren't asking the right questions, but in, in a way you can, you can kind of control therapy, right? Because you're conscious and you can only, you, the therapist only gets what you give them, right? So you can kind of progress it slower or faster, or you can choose to not even deal with certain demons that you have that may be there. Um, where the mushrooms, it was like, once you cross this threshold and they're in you, it's like, we're dealing with this shit, whether you like it or not. <laughs> like this is going to bring all your stuff up to the forefront and it's going to force you to process it. And there's, you don't get to control it. You don't get to hide a secret. You don't get to not say something because you're not ready to talk about it, which, you know, if you do, so that's why therapy takes you know a long time and repeated sessions because they're slowly kind of digging in and, and getting there. And I think they could probably be very useful in combination with each other right but again that the person that's getting the therapy is at the steering wheel where you do this and it's like you're given that steering wheel over and it's like 
we are going to process everything that's there and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And it's going to be scary and it's going to be hard, but like you, you know, you're relinquishing that control and it forces you to bring up issues that you don't want to think about. So I'd like to kind of bring it to, to movement or at least the, the microcosm that we're in, like the fitness industry where it's similar to the politics you were talking about before. It's uh, tribalism, it's a lot of camps, uh, groups of people who um, hold on to certain narratives. Um, has these experiences affected your uh, relationship with these, these kind of groups that we, we've all found ourselves in, the, these narratives? The, and like you said, watching what you say um, has has a journey changed uh, from from these experiences. Yeah, I would say um, again, there's like these two sides. Like the journey itself and where it's pulling me is I'm a lot I I'm a lot less prone, or I know I should be a lot less prone to subscribing to one camp, right? It kind of gives you a more of a bird's eye view of like how how to how to view the entire industry. But then at the same time, like I said, I go through these dips and valleys of having these realizations, trying to apply them, and then doubling down on my egotistical self. So it's like I've gone through both where like it kind of takes you out and you don't really feel attachment to any of them. And you can see kind of how ridiculous just being in those silos is. But then I also go through periods of knowing being in one of the silos is more comfortable for me and it's easier, right? So I still go back and forth and I'm still trying to kind of fight that. But yeah, it's just, it, 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 it gives you more of a bird's eye view of that tribalism and, and kind of see how ridiculous it is. But then like you were saying, like how you should speak and should I put this out? It's like with the state of psychedelics right now and the public's perception of them it's like you, you you're fighting this battle of picking and choosing what should i do for a business decision what should i do so that i don't become a social pariah and it's like you have to navigate how you go about what you say to to not you know to not you know be detrimental to yourself in a business sense but knowing you know that there's another truth and another 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 layer to the whole to the whole pie Yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. The whole navigating the whole space of, of of often a lot of people who are sort of searching for the new, the latest, greatest tool and the new, the new technique. And often that just means the easiest solution to not actually getting your ass into gear and and doing what works. You know, which is uh, which is something that I think people need to hear more often. Is you know just get better at resting and just do stuff, you know, be, be active and, and, and just listen to your body more. And I think it's, uh, it's something that you sort of certainly advocate with, with your history, with, with injuries and, and your history with, uh, with doing your bodybuilding and powerlifting as well. Well, you see it all the time in, um, in terms of like the silos, like, you know, whenever, I mean, I'm sure you've had the experience, like, you know, we're trainers have been doing this for a long time and we're, we're into working out, whatever it is, like, you find the new thing or the thing that you didn't know before and you learn it and you become obsessed with it. You're like, this is the way, like I finally figured it out. And I think a lot of people have that experience, right? And 
you get in, you get so into this one method or modality or whatever it might be in your, and you're like getting results and you're like, Oh my God, I have found it. And you're in that for a year, two years, three years, whatever. And then you realize that there is either certain lies about it, or you realize there's another truth or there's something out there. Um, and you can go about that two ways, right? You can dissociate yourself and, and realize there's more out there and try to kind of come above it all and start to connect more of the dots or you can double down on your silo and just really like almost willingly be blind to what else is out there right and i think that's like a battle that we're constantly fighting i would say that psychedelics are going to make you more able to transcend the silos right whatever whatever area of life that may be but it's going to kind of it, it, you know, I think everyone that's done them would, ex would, it, would, has experienced this in some ways. It makes you realize how ridiculous a lot of the rules in life we have are, right? That's like almost one of the universal things is you're just like, why is this called that? Why is that named that? Like, why do we do this thing? You know what I mean? So it helps you kind of transcend these like rigid guidelines that you've been, been following in whatever it may be, a training modality or just you know how you live your life the boundary dissolving chemicals yeah you, yes they're all these social artifacts that we prop up as our reality and you realize that you could just they're flimsy and you could knock them down and you're like oh shit. <laughs> it's all manufactured it's all manufactured by just other people right and uh you know we we obsess ourselves over it So Andrew, what, so tomorrow you're going out to Joshua Tree? Yeah, so tomorrow again, that's the, um, you know, uh, arrival day. So I'll wake up and I'm going to hop on that call with you guys for a little bit. And then uh, I'll pack my bags tonight. I'll drive out there. Right now my ritual is, <clears throat> I like to... It makes it, you know, I'm, I'm into off-roading in, in my Jeep and stuff. I like to drive trails. I like to make the journey seem as foreign as possible. So I don't actually take freeways there. I'll drive up either into Big Bear or I'll drive down into the low desert in Indio. And there's dirt back road trails where you can either drive through the mountains or through Joshua Tree National Park and essentially take dirt roads the entire way to wherever I'm staying. Um, and, you know, at the end of four hours and, you know, not seeing any buildings or cars, just dirt roads, like you really feel like you've been on this journey to this destination. Um, you know, I'll get there, I'll eat some food, I'll wake up do some tra trails or hiking again during the day and then and then start that process that I told you guys about and that's I like just how um you know they always talk about set and setting and most people would agree that nature is really where you want to be but the way that I get there and all that it makes me just feel so far away and just it just brings a, a different level of mystique to it because in the in the beginning when I was like really just getting into this and I was like super obsessed with it I did one trip here at my house and it just wasn't anywhere near the same I have one final question Andrew because time ex doesn't exist of course then what's uh, what's the the reality dimension uh, have in store for you tomorrow. What are you excited about uh, entering tomorrow? As far as the reality dimension, just getting out and uh, you know, I, I work a lot. I'm, and one, th one of the things I've been trying to navigate this year is 
my work is also my hobby. So like how to kind of separate those. And this is one of the ways I found to do that, but just not thinking about fitness, not thinking about training, being out there in the trees with my dogs. Um, you know, just that initial, there's a couple moments uh, that are kind of uh, pivotal on those days for me. And it's that first turn off of pavement onto the dirt. And like, I love that. And it's like, all right, like we're going now. And then that first stop that I make where you can't see any people, no cars, no buildings, and you get out, you turn the engine off and you stand there and you can't hear anything except for maybe the wind. You know, I love that. And, um, and then, you know, I just go down, go down the journey and, and arrive at the place. Um, so I would say those two moments are always ones that I look forward to on every single trip is first hitting that dirt in that first moment of silence where it's just wind maybe a couple birds if that and you can just hear that hum of silence and there's that just that nothingness beautiful well enjoy your journey and it's been really uh it's been really awesome getting to know you and hearing some of your thoughts and, and some of your stories man appreciate it yeah anytime guys enjoyed it oh, we need to make a group out there three of us sometime yeah i'm du i'm dubbed for it that's the thing is like i'm not opposed to doing it with people but it would be very i would be very selective <laughs> very selective <laughs> i get people all the time they're like yeah i gotta come out there with you man i'm like yeah i don't, <laughs> I don't know um you know i would i would i would i would love to give someone their first experience with it i do think that is kind of an honor but i'm just so limited in time and barely get out there myself. Like, I gotta be kind of selective at this point. <laughs> the communal. If you, guys want, if you guys want to make it happen, I'm 100% up for that. Cool, cool. Uh, all right, Andrew. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that, man. Uh, could you tell people uh, where they could find more about you? Social media, website. Yeah, my w website's in the process of being built, and I'm actually teaming up with my coach, uh, Paul O'Need. Uh, we're going to be selling our training out of his website, masterathleticperformance.com. So that's where, like, my strength training programming and all that sort of thing will be. And then my main online presence is just my Instagram account, just serrano.fitness, serrano like the chili pepper, uh, .fitness. Um, and that's where I post um, both training and and my life speak. Although I've been kind of lacking on the talking videos lately because of you know things we talked about. So, master athletic performance in my Instagram. Those are going to be the two main ones. All right, Andrew. We will be uh, praying for you on Sunday. Our thoughts and prayers will be guiding you into the ultimate dimensions, to the divine source of love and creativity. <laughs> 